This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Eyes On podcast. Eyes On. Eyes On. Live from the Shorja Children's Reading Festival. Award-winning author and artistic director Sharna Jackson is right here at Expo Center Sharja at our special studio. Welcome. Thank you. So I'm delighted to be here. It's an amazing space. It's great to have you here and great to talk to you all about whatever you're doing, every single thing that you're doing. <laughs> But can we start with the beginning? Now, I know it's a very cliched question. I've asked every single author this question, but it's important to understand where those inspirations are coming from because when I'm looking at your books, they're all about representation. You're talking about yourself and a lot of similar stories. So I wanted to know how did that start? Where did the spark come from? Well, I always wanted to be a writer. I think I I think it was around the age of 7. So my dad, he brought me a diary one year. I asked for a diary and I was 7 at the time, right? So instead of getting me a diary that was bold and colorful and really like cute, he got me like a businessman's diary with loads <laughs> of blank pages in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, "What should I do with this?" And I ended up writing a novel in there. It was called Nero the hero it wasn't very good but I think that was the spark yeah um but I didn't become a professional writer for about I don't know 30 years after that I was doing lots of other different jobs and I actually think that was a good way to get into storytelling actually because I had things I could talk about and other experiences I could draw on but that love of stories had been there since the beginning mm-hmm. so it's basically by accident <laughs> Yeah. It's something happened, something spark basically ignited in you. And at what point did you decide that I am going to write a book, going to go back to when I was younger where I always wanted to write books and do that because I've also heard from other authors that they started maybe some of them late in life and mm. a lot of them also had a similar story where when they were younger they've always said I'm going to write a book. Yeah. So I I definitely knew I wanted to write a book when I was about 11 and I was writing this book and it was again not very good. It was um like a a guide to life for tween girls. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it wasn't very good, but I didn't become published until of a, a book that was completely mine until 2014 where I wrote a couple of art books for Tate Galleries in London. Mm-hmm. Um but my first my debut novel came out in 2019, High Rise Mystery. Uh, so it was a long time in the making but in between that I was you know an artistic director of a gallery a director of apps um curating little things and producing TV shows all kinds of things in the meantime so a lot of things in between but within the creative industry let's say yeah all within the creative creative industry and all of them for children because I think for me I've had loads of different jobs but there is a thread that connects them all and that is a desire for children who don't see themselves or feel that arts and culture isn't for them mm. or they feel completely disenfranchised my work is to try and hook them I hook them that sounds very violent but you know to encourage them to participate yeah. in, in these sectors because if it's if they don't these sectors are going to die off and it like we're going to probably talk about this but representation is incredibly important so mm-hmm. yeah i'm really thinking about the next generation of of creatives and anything i can do to support and promote them and get them going at this stage is yeah is kind of what i do that makes a lot of sense you're paving the way for future generations basically i mean you've put that in a very <laughs> in a very nice way but yeah kind of yeah i love that very much because it's very important like i said just to just like previous people helped you reach where you are you need to continue on basically passing on that baton of trying to spread those stories and i love the fact that you chose something that is horror 
your first debut novel. So what made you think that I'm going to write about horror? Okay, so yeah, High Rose Mystery is pretty horrific. It's like it's in the murder mystery genre, mm -hmm. and it's about two young sisters who live on a, a, an estate. It's an estate in London means like it's a tower block, mm -hmm. um, and they find the body of their art teacher in the bin. Wow, and it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, explicit. But what I liked about the murder mystery genre is that. In the UK, at least, mysteries are like Sherlock Holmes yeah. or Agatha Christie. And Nancy Drew. Yeah, Nancy Drew. And it's all very white. And I thought, okay, wouldn't it be interesting to have black and brown detectives? Because um, there's a boy um, from Punjab in there, mm -hmm. George. So like black and brown detectives who, instead of uh, solving crimes on rich country estates or on council estates, mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And also, I think murder mysteries, they're not about the murder being gross and disgusting and gruesome. It's actually about finding the answers out and bringing someone to justice who, who's done something terrible. So mm -hmm. there's lots of morals in there. And it's also an opportunity for children, especially underrepresented children, to see themselves as smart and funny and clever, which is what I'm all about. I love that so much. And like you said, it's also about the sense of adventure. Mm -hmm. which I feel that is something that is missing sometimes when you talk about um, different marginalized voices and people of color. And this is something we just spoke about with Burhan Islam, who was talking about the fact that a lot of those stories that are about POC or from the Western point of view, from the diaspora, what they're often, they're always about the um, very realistic. Um, we're not saying we don't need to hear those stories. They're important to hear about the various realities that they go through, the issues that they have, but also it ends up basically restricting those voices to these topics. But then when you start talking about other genres, whether it's murder mystery, horror, or even just comedy, romantic comedy as well, just romance, it's very important to also put them within that uh, aspect as well. Absolutely, and you're completely right. I feel like sometimes stories about black and brown people have to be about their trauma. Yeah. And then it finds an office, oh look, someone's been stabbed, okay, that's the story for you. But it's like, no, that's not our experience all the time. Of course, mm -hmm. being black and brown has a bearing on your existence. I yeah. mean, you, you can't ignore it, of course, but there is so much more to us than the colour of our skin and it's really important that I show that we have full lives and mm -hmm. interests outside of talking about um, the negative aspects to our identities as viewed in some of the cultures that we exist in. Absolutely, that is absolutely true. And do you mind telling me more about your other endeavors, whether it's in all kinds of other things, you spoke about producing, you yeah. spoke about art galleries, and how did that also, just like you said, that it's everything connected to you eventually yeah. writing a book for kids. Yeah, so, okay, so what have I done? I have, I was the director or a creative director of an app called Hopster, which was like Netflix for Netflix with games for babies. That was about, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Wow. And that was, it was okay for a little while. Um, but again, I learned a lot about um, interaction and how to speak to, to really young children. Mm -hmm. um, I curate an exhibition every year as part of London Games Festival called Ensemble. And I find eight talented um, global majority uh, workers in the UK games industry and I take their portraits and give them opportunities for a year and I'm trying to build a cohort of black and brown and Asian um, people in the UK games industry who can just work together and have someone to rely 
on and someone to share experiences with. Mm -hmm. So I've done that for four years now, four consecutive years. Um, and I'm also writing a game. I'm writing a game wow. with a company in Denmark at the mm -hmm. moment. And it's it's a really different skill set, but I love it. Uh, but it's funny, when you do games, you can't talk about it. And it takes, I've been working on it for two years and it's probably not going to come out for another two. And who knows, hopefully I'll still be alive. But um, yeah, it's a long process, but a really fun process. And I just love writing and, and working with different characters and bringing those characters to people who need them. Now, I know you said you can't talk much about the game. Yeah. But as a gamer myself, I would love to know more about the process, at least from behind the scenes. You mentioned that it's very different than writing a book. I know mm. that sounds like it's obvious, very different. But how different is it? Like okay. how com is it more compressed? Is it more precise? Oh, so well, the first thing I get to work in a writer's room. So there are four or five of us at any one time. Mm -hmm. It's a narrative-based game, so like a bit like a point-and-click adventure yeah. that you might have played, like a, a Grim Fandango or mm -hmm. a Maniac Mansion. Or I'm talking a lot of old games now. So young <laughs> people out there are going to be like, "What are you?" about is it like among us no it's not like among us at all <laughs> it's a yeah it's a game where you have to do some reading yeah but I, I make a lot of documents so I write out exactly what an island or a location will look like and I know it and I write who's going to be there and what they look like and what their job is and mm -hmm. how they relate to the environment and then I write out every single thing that's going to happen in the game as like as a prompt and then somebody else will come along and write it so it's a lot of writing that goes into the tiny amount of writing that you'll see on screen but yeah it's a very different process but a really fun one basically you're trying to navigate that imagination and try to translate it to somebody else to carry on yeah and continue the story and it actually sounds a lot more difficult it's a lot writing of work yeah it's a lot of work but when you start playing it from a really early stage and you can see it all coming together it's really amazing and it must be very fulfilling just saying oh i did that yeah it's it's re i'm really lucky i get to work on some really cool projects i love that very much can you tell me more about your upcoming projects as well yeah so i've, I've just released a book called the good turn mm -hmm. um which is a, it's an it's a mystery it's a mystery there's no murder in this one but there is an element of social activism and social justice in this mm -hmm. one and it's about three young neighbors and friends um, led by a girl called Josephine Williams and she is like super obsessed with googling things googling and PowerPoint and she's one evening she's googling her name and she comes across somebody called Josephine Holloway who was a real person who lived in Tennessee in the 1940s and 50s, and she was responsible for the first scout troop for black women. Mm -hmm. And so Josephine is like, wow, she's called Josephine. She's a black girl. I want to start a scout troop, so she does. Mm -hmm. And she's going around, earning her badges, feeling really good about herself until one night they are earning their camping badge at the edge of an abandoned factory and they hear music and da 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 it goes a bit spooky and wrong mm. but from then I can't if I tell you anymore it really reveals the entire story but it's about okay when things get really real like how real can you be and that's my latest book yeah I love that so much because you stick to the murder story not murder the yeah. mystery mm. the mystery concept and again, different narratives and basically giving in the opportunity for kids 
to see themselves in those situations and perhaps go on their own real life adventures. Hopefully, no murders involved. Hopefully. Just uh, fun mysteries and yeah. adventures. Can you tell me more about, well, I know you just survived last night, but can you tell me more about your upcoming events and what you have upcoming here at the Charlotte Children's Reading Festival? Yeah, so up for, again, I am so delighted to be here. It's my first time in Sharjah and it's an incredible, incredible place. So I got here last night. I've got two school visits, one at the Millennium School tomorrow morning and one um, a school that name I can't recall, unfortunately, on Friday. But I also have a panel session here tomorrow at seven, um, Good versus Evil, hmm. which I'm really excited to get my teeth into, actually, because I think it's... Oh, I'm not going to spoil what I'm going to say, but... Mm. There's a lot to say. Sneak peek. Well, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna talk about things. People being multifaceted. Yeah. And good and evil is not a simple concept. And I think the blending of both of aspects make a character rich. And I think when you do a murder mystery, everybody has to be quite ambiguous. You know, if it's there inherently overtly evil yeah. then I failed as a mystery writer but yeah that's what I'm gonna say tomorrow probably yeah I love that you brought this up because there's something very common ongoing that people talk about when we're um, examining all kinds of characters whether it's in TV and books and right now that are happening right now a lot of times we're seeing those gray characters morally gray characters mm. and it's very interesting how you mentioned good and evil because it's very black and white and that's been the case with many narratives, even thousands of years ago. It's always, you can tell who's the hero and who's going to be the villain, who's mm. going to be the monster, who's going to be the good guy, who's the bad guy. But when it comes to now, it's very important to discuss that whole, that it's a spectrum. Some people can be good with bad traits. Some people can be really bad and they'd have some good traits. Some people can have redemption arts. Some people can be good and turn villainous later on. So I love that very much. And I think the kids are going to be in for a treat. And the adults as well. I hope so. I, I'm sure of it. And before we wrap up, I need to, I've been asking this question to all the authors. Mm -hmm. And I know it might be difficult. It's a children's festival. So when you were a child, yeah. what were your favorite books? I say books because I know sometimes you have many books. So go ahead and tell yeah, us Yeah, it's so hard. I'm glad you said books because that's like saying, what's your favorite song? It's very hard to answer. Okay, I've got two. Um... I used to read everything. Let me caveat this. So I used to read anything and everything when I was young. My favourite book was a medical encyclopedia wow. that my parents had. And I would spend afternoons looking up like really gross illnesses. I love that. And now I think I'm a doctor. So uh, maybe it, I should. It makes sense. <laughs> the point A to, <laughs> to B me, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, it was. Oh, God, I love that book. The cover fell off and everything. And then my second favorite book was a book called The Runaways. It was written by an author called Ruth Thomas, I think back in like 1988. And it was about um, two classmates who weren't friends, who ended up finding a lot of money in an abandoned house. And one once um, it starts to look a bit bad for them, people are starting to be suspicious about where the money came from. They run away, like the title suggests, and they go to lots of places around the UK and the adventure is great but it's the relationship between those two characters how it develops over the course of the book that's really fantastic and i think i've really been inspired by that one some of the places they go to in the book i actually lived <laughs> and i'm wow. like oh wait a minute and they talk about going in to live on a boat and i live on a boat so it's like oh be careful what you read when you're you second you live on a boat yeah i live on a boat in wow. rotterdam yeah wow that's amazing <laughs> it's stupid <laughs> I mean, to, to me, it's amazing. I never thought about living in a boat. Well, I live in a desert, so that's a little bit different. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit harder. But 
Ahmed, when you mentioned reading the encyclopedia, you unlocked a memory mm -hmm. in my head that I completely forgot about, which is during my visits to the library every once in a while, which is actually, no, it was very often. My mom used to drop me off way too early. At our school, we had our lineup around, let's say, I was thinking 7.45. I was at school at 7.10, had nothing to do, so I would just stand there in front of the library until the librarian would arrive and open the library and I would walk in and I remember doing something similar which is go to encyclopedias and just start reading them and I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that so thank you for unlocking that That's memory okay. and does that mean that we're gonna see maybe some story with maybe a doctor in it since you are more or less a doctor right now <laughs> I, do you know what I think I would like not like a murderous doctor but maybe a doctor yeah somebody who thinks they're really good at surgery and it's actually not quite maybe they just had you know the same amount of experience as me which is like basically nothing and uh, <laughs> yeah come on you're technically if i were you i'd go take the medical exam yeah i'd probably right ace it like that boom. in a moment and before we wrap up i need to ask you the idea of how keeping your passion alive how do you do that oh uh, well sometimes being a writer is quite difficult i know mm. it seems like a job that might be easy especially when you work on children's books you think oh yeah well you just get to sit there and imagine fun things and yes there is part of it but to, it's important to sounds really simple but to do things mm -hmm. so take a break from your desk and walk around I mean I'm very fortunate that I'm about able to be here this week so I'm like filling up my inspiration tanks with every second that passes but for those of you who can't be here who maybe listen to us somewhere else and going in your neighborhood and taking a walk and just seeing what else is out there really can change the direction of something existing that you're writing or creating, or it might be inspiration for something brand new. I love that so much. You just compressed the entire thing and you gave us a lovely speech that I hope that ignited the fire in everybody who is listening to us right now. Thank you. You're that, so kind to me. <laughs> it's, it was great chatting to you and I wish I can talk to you for the rest of the hour, but Time is running out, unfortunately, and we need to wrap up a little bit. We've got other authors to talk about and get inspired by as well. And I hope that all our listeners can come over and meet you tomorrow so they can get inspired as well, learn from you, and also check out your books here at the Charlotte Children's Reading Festival. Sharna, it was amazing talking to you. A complete delight. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 4 p.m.